0: Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. It is Friday, and it is April, gosh, it must be the 17th. Uh, my daughter just had a birthday yesterday, so uh, here we are. And our guest today, I am really, really thrilled. Uh, as always, these shows come right when I need them, and I hope you're listening to it when you need it. Uh, the book we're going to be talking about today is a book called One Less, One More. And the tagline is follow your heart, be happy, change slowly. And I have not been known to change slowly in my life, so I have a feeling there are some special nuggets in today's show just for me. Uh our guest today is Robbie Vorhouse. Robbie, did I pronounce that correctly? I normally ask ahead of time.
1: No, that's right. Vorhouse, yeah. Oh, perfect.
0: Well I love it when I get it right. Uh, that is not always the case. Robbie well, first of all, welcome and, and thank you so much uh, for sharing your heart with us today. And I'd love to just start uh, hearing about your life. You, you have a very, very compelling story uh, that really sets up everything that you've experienced since then. Why don't you share that with us?
1: Thank you, Chickie, and it's, uh, it's great to be here. And my story um, when I go to a convention, I register as just a J-U-S-T-A just a guy um, because I think that (laughs) I think that I'm just a guy um, who really really discovered something very very special and that is how powerful we are as human beings when we choose to do the math and recognize who we are as individuals so um, what I mean by that is is that there have been, scientists say, 100 billion people since the beginning of time uh, that have walked this planet. There are over 7 billion people on the planet today. And yet, there has never, ever been a human being remarkably like you, ever. There's never been a human being that comes close to who we are since the beginning of time. And that got me thinking, even though I... I did, in fact, grow up in a broken home. I, did, I was, in fact, homeless as a teenager because my parents split up and there was nowhere for me to go. Um, I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to Valium uh, for 11 years. Uh, but at the same time, I always felt in my heart of hearts, even though I, I did not graduate um, from high school, I did not go to college, I always believed that I was born to do something special and that I had a choice. I could either go down the road with a lot of my friends or people that, you know, that I spent a little bit of time with on the street or um, you know, just people who, who felt that they were losers or <clears throat> with people who had remarkable stories because of the courage of their choice. And that's how I've lived my whole life is that the courage of choice. And am I willing not to listen to what people say about me? Oh, you'll you'll never you'll never amount to anything because you don't have right. a college degree. Um, or you know, you you're never going to find a, a, a woman who's going to love you because of your background. So for me, Chicky, I just said, Well the heck with it. I've always wanted to be a storyteller. I I started in um I became a paper boy, I became a darkroom assistant, I became a photographer for a newspaper in Philadelphia. Um, from that experience, I started to write and became a photojournalist. While my other friends were in college, I was working at a radio station in Des Moines, Iowa. Then recruited to Kansas mm-hmm. City to work in TV, and then I got the biggest break of my life in the in the 80s and uh, got to work for Dan Rather as his headline producer at CBS News. Wow. And uh, as as I write about in, in my book, one less, one more, and and I'll stop talking here i know i'm rambling <laughs> but um dan said to me on my first day well how did you where did you go to college and i said um i didn't and he said well how did you get a job here among these columbia yale harvard grads here at cbs news and i said well mr rather prayer and persistence
0: <laughs> there
1: you go he said you're my new best friend go ahead
0: Ah, uh, that's wonderful well you and I do, I, I was not homeless, but uh, I do not have a college degree, and when people look at what I've accomplished, they would never in a million years guess that I dropped out, especially when they get my bill for consulting, right? It's like, how can you charge this amount of money? I once had uh, an attorney... Uh, say to me, you know, you charge more than I do. And I said, well, that's because my skill is very, very specialized, and there are a lot of people who do what you do, and, and you know, so you do get get paid for the br- value that you bring to the table. Yeah. And, you know, I'm fascinated uh, by your story, and no, you don't ramble, you story tell,
1: right? No, you're, you're very, you're, my wife will tell you that I ramble, but thank you anyway,
0: Chuck. <laughs> well, I love listening to you ramble if that's the case. Um, but no, I think it is so so interesting that you you know evolved through all all of these circumstances and figured out how not to let it hold you down, and, and I think that escaping that and escaping the defeatism and and you know this is something we we go through with uh, one of my children all the time that you know if if the words coming out of your mouth are you know can't and Um, you know, even shouldn't, and and all of those negatives, um, you know, that it just piles up. And so you're right. There is math to this. And before we got on the air, you were telling me a a brief little story, and I'd like you to repeat it because I think it's incredibly powerful uh, of looking at our lives as a math equation.
1: Yes. uh, My uncle David Kruskal, K-R-U-S-K-A-L, was Einstein's protege, at Princeton and went on to run his department, uh, applied mathematics at Princeton. And his son, Clyde, is a professor of physics at, uh, in Maryland. And I asked him as I was writing the book, One Less, One More, one of our thoughts for the cover would be uh, that we, if we could create a mathematical formula showing that the intention was, and that in, for any problem in any moment, that you made the conscious decision to choose one less Negative thing, and at the at the same time to choose one more positive, um, heartfelt, happy, anything that would move you in the direction of your heart's dreams and desires. So he he kind of laughed and he he said, I'll, uh, "As a relative, I'll do it." And he came back to me a couple days later and he said, "You know, we really can't because uh, there's no." There's, We don't know what the, the answer is going to be. There is one less. There's one more. But it, it's really based on intention and what you want the answer to be. And he said, that's more like quantum physics. So I said, well, thank you anyway. And he called back about two and a half weeks later, and here's a guy who's really not excitable. And he said, <laughs> you're never going to believe this. But I sat down with my colleagues, and we started exploring the math of in in choosing in one problem with the intention to create something that's never existed before and by elimination of something that we know is no longer working and adding in something based on a projection on a belief. And he said the answer, the formula, changes so, and again, as I was telling you, I don't know if he said geometrically or mathematically, but he said the difference is is that if you say, I'm going to stop smoking, I'm going to stop lying, I'm going to stop being hard on myself, well, that's okay, um, that's a good place to start, but what, then what are you going to do? And instead, if you say, well, positively, I'm going to pursue my heart's desire, I'm going to pursue my curiosity, that's okay, too. But you're not taking into effect that you're going to feel afraid. You're going to feel resistance. You're going to get, as you said about your kids, you know, the can't and the shouldn't and the won't and it'll never work. And that's why I tell my clients and, and, and in speeches all the time is that the moment that you choose to follow your heart, you need to expect resistance. You have to expect criticism. You have to expect something negative, because that's the way the universe works. Yeah. And if you and if you don't have that, and I love my, my I'm sorry for dropping names here, but my uncle uh, Bernard was, Bernard Vorhaus, was a movie director. He directed John Wayne movies. And his favorite quote is what he said that John Wayne used to say all the time, is that courage is still being scared blankless. Right. And but still saddling up.
0: Exactly
1: so, exactly. so even though you're afraid. So what Clyde told me. You should,
0: pick, you should pick that as your favorite, because, or he should pick that as his favorite, because my daughter, who I'm about to watch uh, play softball, had, had told me already she'll be a senior next year. And she says she wants that to be next to her name in,
1: in the yearbook.
0: And which is? I'm a, No. the. Um,
1: what does she want to have next boat? to what?
0: No, the quote that you just said from John Wayne.
1: Oh, you know and, it? Okay, great. Yeah. Yes. Great. Well, I,
0: but I didn't know it before she said that, and oh, and good, my husband and I are a huge John Wayne fans, so I was actually surprised that I hadn't heard that. But you're right, is you can't wait for all of that to get out of the way before taking the step in that direction.
1: It's being scared to death and still saddling up anyway. And Chicky, my second favorite quote, which. You know, again, I, I I I am a fan of yours. I, I I did not know that you didn't go to college, and yet that just makes me respect you and and care <laughs> for you even more. It's it's and admire you even more. Is you know everyone knows Walt Disney's quote, that dreams do come true. Mm-hmm. But what they don't know is that's only a part of the quote. The full quote is dreams do come true, if you have the courage to follow your heart. Yes. And and that that's my that's the core of One Less One More is well, courage. Love, courage. And
0: I love that it is described as a two hundred and eighty page manual of sorts for following your heart, having yep. the courage to be happy, and guiding readers to bravely allow significant and sustainable change to happen slowly. So tell me how you went from all, all of this that you've described to actually penning uh, the book.
1: Well, what I discovered is, is as a journalist, I would, you know, come on terrible accidents or hear of people who have had horrible things happen to them. And one of my early lessons was that I discovered was it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you. Yes. And I was always, I was always amazed to hear people who said, yeah, I had cancer, but I, I kicked its butt and. You know it was a great learning experience, or yes, I had a, a limb amputated, or yes, you know, my husband left me, but you know so what? it was his you know he was stupid in doing that, and I went on to meet this great guy. I mean, I was always amazed through the course of my life with people who had the choice, took the choice to either be victims, oh, I'm so sad, I'm so sorry life's or victors, people who have said. It does. I don't care. Okay, I didn't go to college. I missed a little bit, but guess what? I, this is what I am doing. And if I had gone to college, I wouldn't be here. So that's one thing. The second thing is, as a journalist, I was always, always captivated by people who enthusiastically did their job. It wouldn't matter if it was a baker. Uh, it wouldn't matter if it was a, a, a. There was. I met a guy who had founded a, a septic system, a, a septic company because he was out of a job and started literally cleaning crap and discovered that there were things that he could do better and he wanted to support his family and he really loved that this this inspiration kept coming to him on how he could do it cleaner better etc and now he's worth a fortune so <clears throat> my big my what i discovered was in writing the book is one as i started counseling leaders world leaders entrepreneurs people in who either you know, were concerned about their reputation, had a reputational crisis, people who had real truly terrible things happen to them, and that the people who chose to follow their heart, the people who chose to really pursue truth, the people who chose to say, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to make my life and the world better, they fascinated me. So, mm-hmm. So so back about eight, nine years ago, um, a woman called our house and um she was getting a divorce and she said, Do you know anybody who isn't stressed? And I said, Well, a lot of people are stressed and she said, Well, do you have what can you do? Can you tell me what to do? And I said, Cavalierly, just do one less thing, you know, that's not working and one more thing that is. And she said, Oh my God. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Could you could you write something? So I wrote an article for our local newspaper, and I started getting cards and letters and emails from people all over the world saying, wow. tell me more about that. What does what one less, one more mean, and how can I apply it to my life, and how can I apply it? How can I tell my kids? And So uh, they said, where can I buy the book? And I kept, <laughs> I kept telling people over and over, there is no book. There is no book. And my wife, my wife, Candace, looked at me and said, you idiot. Don't you hear what the universe is telling you? Write the book.
0: Write so, the book. <laughs> so,
1: um, I, I've been I, I've been very lucky, and um, my um, a, a person that I know, Amy Hertz, who was the Dalai Lama's editor for the Art of Happiness. You know that wonderful book. Yes, I um, do. You know, she saw the outline for the book and said, um, "You've got the first handbook." on how to follow your heart that I've ever seen. This isn't a self-help book. This isn't a New Age book. This isn't a a religious book. This is legitimately a new genre for a book that it doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist, Christian, Muslim. It doesn't matter if you practice Zen or football. It's, It's so individual for who you are. And if you even want to consider that your purpose in life is to be happy and follow your heart. And she said I'd like to edit it. She said I'd like to edit it. And anyway, Chickie, the, the bottom line is is that um I had never written the book before. I wrote the book. I turned it over to Amy thinking she was going to love it and just come back with some changes. She came back and she ripped the she ripped the work apart. I cried and cried for days. I'm not kidding. I said, I can't do this. This is Anyway, I picked myself up, and it took me another seven, eight months, and I got it back to her, and she said, now you've got the book, and um, Christy Brinkley, who is a friend, said that she's never read a book like this before and asked if she could write, you know, the blurb on the back, Wolfgang Puck, who is a friend, John Scully, who, um, you know, again, was the president of Apple,
0: uh, just
1: feels that that every entrepreneur should read read this book, so I've been very lucky and very blessed
0: well i I love your story, and I just finished the manuscript for my first book, which is an allegorical business novel and my first draft of the book, I forgot to have any dialogue. everything happened in their heads
1: oh <laughs> no that's
0: a classical it's a classical novelist uh mistake for the first time novelist. I've written other books, but they've been business um you know oriented very uh, Specialized for my industry, but uh, I have not yet uh, gotten into the hands of an editor. So thanks for warning me.
1: <laughs> well, but you know the one thing, Chicky, that's so wonderful about what you're doing, and, and you embody following your heart, is that it's so important that we we that you know John Acuff just wrote a new book, um, and I think it's called Starting Over or something. Uh, It's J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F. It's just come out. It's already a New Mm -hmm. York Times bestseller. But in it he talks about, and he's a wonderful guy, and he says exactly what I say in One Less, One More, is that if you don't follow your heart, you will never, ever know the depth of your purpose. And yet, just like you said, you have to, when you start, you have to let yourself be a tourist. You have to let yourself be in kindergarten. You, have, you can't start on a new project or to say, you know what, I've always dreamed of starting my own business or I've always dreamed of inventing something and think that you're going to be an expert. And that's one of the reasons why the last chapter of One Less, One More is less perfection and more practice because exactly. perfection doesn't exist. Um, and I, once, I was once in the Oval Office. With the president of the United States, who I was advising, and it was just the two of us, and he said to me, "Robbie, I I have to tell you, it's the scariest thing because I wake up in the morning sometimes and I don't know what the heck I'm doing." And he said, "You know, there's no such thing as president school," and Brian. it was so fascinating to me that the president. And I've heard this again, Chicken. I'm sure you've you've heard it from your clients. Everyone. Every person who is successful has this gnawing sense inside of them that they could be better or know more, or that someone's going to discover right. them, and that's okay
0: yeah i thought I thought you were going to say just that 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 we all have this fraud complex,
1: yeah, I mean the reality is is that the universe is infinite, it is mm-hmm. infinite, and for us to think and to approach anything. With the recognition, that's one of the biggest problems that um, folks who go to Harvard Business School or, or who get MBAs from big schools is that the professors don't teach them, but they believe that now that they've got this MBA from this great school, they know it all. So they've got to go out into the world and apply it. And mm-hmm. what my what you know what my friends at Harvard Business School said is that they wish that the, these these people who were getting their MBAs would listen. Because what they're taught is, is all you're learning is the fundamentals. And now you've got to be out and go out and be curious.
0: Right, right. Well, one of the things I love about this book is that you deliver a very, very profound message through simplicity. And, and that's an art. Um, and and I am just such a sucker for a, a book that is laid out as cleanly and, and um and, again, it is a roadmap. So we've already talked about one less, one more, uh, and you've already touched on many of the others. But, but Chapter 2 is about following your heart. And, and, again, these things are things that we do instinctively know. We should do less feeling bad, and we should do more feeling good. But we don't always know how to get there. So what, what's the secret of that one?
1: Oh, Chickie, thank you so much for asking me that question, because you're already there. There is no there there. That's the beauty of One Less, One More, is that in, and again, I lay it out in steps, and again, you you actually talked about this in the beginning of the interview. You make the decision in any moment, because this moment right now is the only moment there ever is. And you have to decide now, in this moment, do I believe that I have the capability, the possibility, the willingness? Do I believe that I have the right to be happy? And happiness doesn't mean, you know, ecstasy, you know, to be, you right. know, ecstatic. It, you know, happiness by experts is described as, as fulfillment and, and serenity. So the question is, is we need to recognize, the issue is, is that we need to recognize we're here. We're already here right now. Where we stand, where we sit, where we are, is the last moment of our past and the first moment of our future. Where we are this this moment. And if we make the decision in this moment to become conscious... Just to think, just to look, just to observe, and to make the decision that, yes, I will consider, I will consider that I can be happy, and that I am going to make a choice now to move in that direction versus not being conscious and not thinking about what I'm doing, or to make a conscious decision instead to be negative, to curse, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to be insecure, to be judgmental, critical, angry, whatever it is. And so when we realize that our life is moments after moments after moments, I mean it, it becomes tiring if you think about it. And, and that's the right. problem with so many things is that if you try to do so much so quickly, the system will break. But, Chickie, exactly as you just said, if we make the decision to start from right here, and all we do is say, I'm going to do one less thing that isn't moving me in the direction where I want to go, and I'm going to, to attempt, I'm going to have the courage of choice to move instead into my heart and to pursue my curiosity to pursue my passion to pursue what makes me feel good just one thing and then stop for today you've now changed changed the course right. of the universe
0: well and here's the other mathematical phenomenon here that you know perhaps the guys that you talked about about the equation may not have even realized is that if you have had years and years and years of negativity. Right. It's not just the one less one more. It's that you're actually erasing, you know, each day you're erasing the impact of that negativity. And if you never were inclined to add anything positive into your life, then adding even one is is exponential. Right? So the next one, uh, you know, uh, again this comes very very naturally to me as as much as you knew you wanted to be a storyteller and you you knew what your gifts were i was born with faith and yeah. and i'm not talking about the the spiritual kind of faith i was born believing that everything would be okay now as i came to know my creator then that that faith had a, a face right and right. had a personality and had, uh, in fact, many dimensions, uh, of which I am still learning about, you know, 34 years after I, uh, you know, made that conscious choice in my life to be a woman at faith, that uh, believing isn't natural to everyone. And I happen to marry a man who he believes as long as there's money in the bank and he believes as long as he can see work coming for me or a publication date on the book or a project date. Um, but it's only been in the last few years that uh, – and the one thing I wanted to give him that I couldn't just bestow upon of him was that gift of faith. And and now right. he has it and he can believe. And so the components of that is less fear and more awareness. So talk to us about awareness because that, that usually uh, evokes in people just being more um, – aware of of what's going on around you and, and being more observant. But I suspect this goes deeper than
1: that. Yeah, you know, what you what you said again, I, I find myself shaking my head because I, I, I want you to keep talking. I want to keep listening to you more. <laughs> Um,
0: well, we get to do both, so uh, you don't yeah, have to well, sacrifice by talking.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's I'm reminded that we're we have two ears and one mouth, and I really enjoy listening to to that. And and your husband sounds very <laughs> pragmatic. What what's interesting is is again, is you know there's a famous sculptor Henry Moore who was interviewed once by a reporter while he was carving out of one piece of black stone a magnificent horse. And the the reporter said to him, you know, Mr. Moore, this sculpture is magnificent. You can see the 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 musculature of the horse. You can see the wind through the mane and mane and and but it's one piece of stone. How do you do it? And he said, I don't understand. You know what? You know all the excitement's about. I take one piece of stone and I just cut away everything that doesn't look like a horse. <laughs> and you know he he makes it sound so simplistic, but right. again you know one of the things that i write about in one less one more is is that you can't see the lawn until you remove the leaves right so yeah you 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 that's the one less part and the the second thing is is for a lot of people and me included um i have faith i i am i am also a a person of faith and for me you know again when when i dedicated this book to the one in one less and one more um i was talking about you know, my creator, and, and I, I feel very strongly about that. But again, um, when when you realize that so many people don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, when you realize that so many people don't understand, they say, well, what does that mean to follow my heart? Or what is, I don't know what it's going to take to make me happy. And that's a very, very real feeling. And it, it, it's it's like... Oh, I've been sick for so long. I've been broke for so long. I've been single for so long. Um, I've been in this dead-end job for so long. I can't just walk away. What do I do? And that's why One Less, One More is so powerful, Chickie. And again, that's why I I'd love listening to what you had to say is because what we know today in this moment is we know today at least one thing in our life that isn't working. And it's usually right. it's usually not it's usually not what's what's happening in our life, it's the way we think about it. So we know that we don't want to be in this job anymore, or maybe we don't we don't want to be single anymore, or we don't want to be in a relationship anymore, we don't want to be broke anymore. So we know it isn't working. But that's the work of one less one more. Is Mm -hmm. to be able to listen to your heart. Courage comes from the Latin "cor," which is heart, and "age," the age of the heart. And we're so occupied with Facebook and television and gossiping and who did this and who did what and what's in the bank and what's that we we don't allow ourselves to listen to our heart to get quiet. To, to say, well, what am I curious about? What is my passion? What What is it when I was a child that I always wanted to do that my parents said to me, oh, chicky, stop that. You know you can't make a living at that. So after <laughs> a certain number of uh, – uh, so after a certain point of time, you stop. But you don't – the feelings don't stop. Right. So that's why I say in One Less, One More – it's not a self-help book. It's not a, that's why it is follow your heart, be happy, but you have to change slowly because most people, me included, have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. And even though I, like you, am a person of faith, and I've always believed, even though I was homeless and didn't, you know, didn't graduate from, from high school and, 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 and mm-hmm. was a drug addict, I still believe my purpose was to help make this planet, humanity, and everything that I was involved in better than I found it. And that was a conscious choice.
0: Right, but I think that that leads right into the next chapter, which says to prepare for this life of, you know, and again, you use the word happiness. My word for that is I live to be peaceful And have clarity of vision about everything that I do, right? Right. And and that preparation, if you struggle with ego and can't just focus on the heart, um, you know, then you need less ego and more heart, which is what Chapter 4 is about. And as you were talking about... Uh, relationships and and people who are single and I've got a number of uh, really really talented beautiful female friends who never got married or had a bad marriage early on and never got remarried right. and um, you know and and sometimes because I've um, been married nearly 25 years uh, I forget how that feels but I can see the pattern when they choose a man who is high ego and low heart.
1: <laughs> right. You know
0: what the outcome is going to be. Of and course. my daughter, I, I keep mentioning her because I'm sitting here uh, watching her uh, practice uh, for her game. She is 17, has her first love, and they have not only zero ego in the relationship, but because of that, they have zero drama. And right. I think we, we, and you also talked about Facebook and all these all this drama that is constantly going on around us, and especially now that we're getting back into a uh, an election cycle, the drama is on high gear, right? But that's because ego takes over. Ego produces drama and doesn't let the heart speak, right?
1: Right. Well, that's the in and the on. You know, Einstein said, Chickie, that you cannot solve a problem with the same mind that created it. and <laughs> And the reason that so many people get involved in the same relationships or find jobs that, you know, that they say they want a different job, but then they get into essentially the same job. Or how many people do you know that no matter how long you've known them, it's never their fault, no matter what it is. It's always, you know, it's always their, you know, it's, it's always someone else's fault. And. What's fascinating about people who choose to follow their heart, for people who choose, you know, happiness is a choice. It's not just something that happens. You have to make the conscious decision. Even babies work and move in the direction of their bliss, of of what feels good. If they're not feeling good, they cry or they do something to communicate that they're not feeling good. But what, what you're saying that's so profound about the ego and, and the heart is that the ego, when we talk about the ego, what we're really saying is is it's, it's, it's our perception of ourself to provide the feedback to show us what the experience is that is opposite of what our heart is calling for. So when people are willing to say, you know, I'm in this relationship with this guy, and I keep getting into relationships with this guy, because I think, I think, hear that, I think that's what I want, but my heart, if you ask them, they'll tell you, I I knew this guy wasn't right for me. I knew this job. I had a feeling. So then you say, well, why didn't you follow that? And they say… and, but when you say to them, well, why didn't you do that? They would say, because I'm afraid. Because yes. I'm afraid. And and that goes back to what Einstein said. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Right. And I'm sure you experience in your consulting business that you will come to a client. They will say to you, Chicky, I need your help in solving this problem. You will <laughs> look at it. It will be incredibly obvious to you. You'll say to them, Here's what you need to do. And they'll turn around and say to you, you, you know what? You may be right, but we're not going to do it. And, they'll say, right. and you'll say, well, why not? And they'll come back and say, because it doesn't feel right. And that's the, that's the difference between a winner and a loser. That's the difference between somebody who is a victim or a victor. Somebody who asks you your advice and pays you as much as they pay you. And then doesn't take your advice right. is only because they're not confident enough to say I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and I'm going to try something new.
0: Right. Well, I write a lot about uh, bucking the status quo uh, because right. status quo, I believe, is the single greatest enemy of growth. Right. And your your next chapter is about committing and less procrastination and more proactivity. And you can hear the language in business of procrastination. We don't have the resources for that. You know, we need approval. We need more analysis. You know, it's got lots of different words. And they will never say, we are corporate procrastinators. We need your help. But that's precisely what most companies have a problem with. Oh yes, we haven't retired this product, and yes, you're right, it is outdated and it doesn't even work as it should. Right. Uh, but we're comfortable, and it's actually uh, quite profitable in its own right, even though it's not sustainable. Right. right. So, so they get trapped in that. Or, as you uh, point out in chapter six, you know, you've got this whole issue of uh, less control and more experience. Most companies are just. You know, control is the milk of, of their day, right? You right, know, they right. have to have that
1: to right.
0: feel like they're making a difference. Right. When if they would just sit back and experience and and move forward, you know, do that proactivity that you talked about in the previous chapter, so much would change.
1: Right, and and Chicky, that's so exactly, uh, and that's exactly true. We talk about preparation. What does that mean? That means that if you're working as a housewife, if you're working as an accountant at a firm that you don't want to be at anymore, if you're working, um, maybe you're just, you're a graduating college student, and you say, well, I want to be an actor. So you say, well, I can't see how I'm going to get from where I am to being an actor, so I'm not going to do it. I live in Ohio, I live in the mountains of Colorado, I'm far from Hollywood, I'm far from New York. What how can I how can I pursue my dreams? But the truth is is that thanks to the internet, thanks to books, you can start saying I'm going to consider that I was born to act. I want to act. So buy a book about acting or go to websites right. about acting or get involved and say to your local elementary school i'd like to help these kids put on a play and that's how you start to prepare and then once you're in it once you start to feel that experience and again less and more every day now you're moving in that direction so that's how the universe can work in your direction because say for example that you read about a seminar you're in colorado you're in ohio you're in florida and you read about a seminar, a two-day seminar in Chicago, and you say, I have enough money for that. That's just a trip to Chicago, and you talk to your spouse or you talk to your partner who is who is um, supportive of you, and you go to this thing, and all of a sudden, now you're in Chicago pursuing acting, and you meet someone else who says, listen, I'm here because I'm a director. I'd love your look. Would you come out and audition for this in L.A.? Right. Now, you never, you never could have seen that, Chickie, had you not have made the decision to prepare and yes. then commit. Right.
0: And I'm going to jump on to number seven because I, I think that this this one is really, really important about raising the stakes, less hoping, wishing, and trying, which the person who wishes that they could have been an actor – Right. Um, but but never does it right? right the things that you just talk about so less hoping wishing and trying and more doing i mean my son will say to me you know i'm going to try to get better grades it's like no just do it
1: right exactly just do it
0: because to get all the things that you want in life you need to get good grades right now and you know he's only in the 8th grade but we're you know trying to prepare him for next year where it actually starts to matter Right. And, and you know, I, I'm going to jump again ahead and because you're so good at, at uh, making up for my jumping ahead. <laughs> uh, the number eight is, is this ultimate challenge of less blame and more accountability. And back to being a parent, um, you know, when the child is constantly blaming it, oh, my teacher didn't write it clearly on the board, you know, the dog ate my homework, well, we don't have a dog, son. Oh, yeah, well, it was the cat, right? <laughs> right. Um so, so, this whole issue of actually doing and right. having more accountability every day and removing the words hope, wish, and try right. from our v- vocabulary and I mean literally going in and rereading your emails, and I read my emails, even the shortest ones, I read them probably five times before I send them, and it 's been an enormous amount of time crafting the words because i know that's important so talk to us about that
1: thank you well that's what it sounds like that you're a very intentional person so that means that you know what you want and you move in that direction and you want to make sure that i mean you understand that every word has an energy attached to it that every word coupled with another word they're all codes right for 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 what it is that you're trying to communicate communication by definition is shared comprehension so most people don't consider that they, they spew out information and they tell you things but they really don't want you to comprehend it they want you to hear them but then they get upset and right. in all communication we know um, one of the things that I teach over and over and over again is if something is really important for you that someone else understands they don't get it. It's always your fault. You have to take responsibility. If it's important that someone else understands your point of view, so yelling at them, screaming, stamping your feet, getting upset, is not going to help them to understand it. So what you have to do is you have to be more like you, Chickie, and, and, and help people and say, I want to make sure that these people understand what I'm saying. I'm going to craft my words. And going back to your son, here's an experiment that I do almost every day, um, In whether it's a speech and I write about it in the book, is have your son pick up a pencil. Now ask him to try to drop that pencil. He'll drop the pencil, and you'll say, no, you didn't hear me. I said try to drop the pencil. Maybe he'll drop it again, maybe he won't. But by the third or fourth time, people understand that you either drop the pencil or you don't. But it is impossible, it is physically impossible to try and drop the pencil. Why? Because trying (laughs) is a a commitment to the attempt, not to the completion.
0: (laughs) Oh, I hope that's in the book somewhere. I've got to go underline. It is indeed.
1: Yep, it sure is. And okay, and I'm I'm so,
0: find that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, because hope isn't a strategy. I, exactly. One of the things I write about in the book is I say, how would you feel if you got on on an on an airline and the, before the plane took off, the pilot gets on and says, "Welcome to Hope Air. We hope that everything's okay, and we hope we can get you there." You're, you know, it's not you're not going to have a lot of confidence.
0: Right. I'm going to try to get you to San
1: Francisco. Uh, I want to try to get you to San Francisco. (laughs) I hope we get there. But who knows? I
0: love that. I love that. Well, we've already talked a bit about, I mean, this whole thing is about choice and less of the worst things, more better. And, you know, I love, uh, I think it was from um, the blind side with Sandra Bullock, where the the kids get out at school and she says make good choices or no exactly. I, I think it's freaky friday freaky right. friday at like that. and and that's our our joke with with my kids and I when I drop them off in the morning we we just do it just to be obnoxious now <laughs> but um you know it's funny this morning um I'm trying to break my son of of this uh the victim uh thing so um, I said, okay, I'm going to start talking to you in code. I'm not even going to say it anymore. It's just going to be PPM, which is poor, pitiful me. Which you know, when he gets into that, you know, I just want him to see how often he does it.
1: Exactly. And
0: and so, you know, again, that we have to sometimes help, particularly the people we love, and hopefully, the people who are listening to this, the leaders, you know, whether it's uh, female leaders from the Executive Girlfriends Group or or people who just happen onto this show from listening from blog talk radio or iTunes that we have to help those that we love and those that work for us should be people that we love. We love to be with them. We love their intellect. We love their curiosity. And so we should love them enough to help them stop doing the worst stuff, Uh, even in their personal lives. Because if someone has a drinking problem in their personal life, guaranteed it affects their work. Of if somebody has a spouse that is sleeping around on them and they're not confronting the issue and, and being courageous about the choices that they make, mm-hmm. it impacts their work. Um, and we talk about this a lot in the executive girlfriends group mm-hmm. because many women's groups are only about you know, the technical things about business and we're about the whole life. Right, you are an integrated person because you you can't separate the personal you. But I'm really intrigued by chapter ten in your book. You alluded to it earlier. This issue of mastery and less perfection and more practice.
1: Right. Well, mastery is is something that when you ask anyone who has mastered anything, they will tell you that all they have. Gotten to the point of is that they can do what they're doing well enough so that they can discover more about themselves and the universe, which is why a black belt uh, in karate um, is given to a master. But what it signifies is is dirt. Um, and the, the longer that you are a martial artist, the dirtier your belt gets until it becomes black. However, as every master will tell you, what happens after you get a black belt is the more you keep working, the more it becomes frayed and goes back to becoming white. So Interesting. a true master is someone who recognizes that they will never, ever reach a point of perfection but that they need to continue to practice moving in the direction of their dreams, desires, goals, curiosities, intentions, whatever it is, and that they will never, ever reach that final destination. Even for many masters, they believe that death is just a a turning point. It's a change. Mm. It's a fulcrum. And so to master something you really give yourself permission to fail. You really give yourself permission to, to do exactly what you were saying about the dialogue in the head instead of writing the dialogue on the paper. Is Eventually, as you keep learning things, you will begin to master your craft. And then once you've mastered it, then you can articulate your point of view and someone will come back to you and say, really, I was touched by this, or you'll be somewhere. And another thing will inspire you that will get you off on another direction. Masters in life, are their only purpose is to use and to make things better through learning and experience. It's not through the physical doing. It's the experience of being
0: and including
1: others with them.
0: Well, Robbie, we are almost at the top of the hour, and I want to be mindful of your time, and I've also got a a softball tournament that's about to start, so I need to go get situated uh, to watch my daughter. Uh, But you have mentioned several times throughout this that this isn't just something that's one and done. You don't go through and master uh, the various Principles that we've talked about, and then it's done, and now you, all of a sudden you're better and, and you're happier in life is great. This is a daily discipline.
1: Yes, it is. Yep. Did I cut you off, Chicky?
0: No, no, not at all. No, that I I usually let the people I am interviewing know that 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 kind of is my style. I'll start with a thought and let you finish it, but I forgot <laughs> to give you your cue.
1: <laughs> well, that's okay. Forgive forgive me. Um, you know, life. And that's what's so extraordinary to me, Chickie, is life is a daily experience. And that in any moment, from the moment we wake up until the time that we go to sleep, and even for people who are able to experience their dreams, if if we're alive and we're breathing, and we have the opportunity to make a choice in any moment, whether it's what we eat, what we say, how we look, what we believe, what it is that we, that how anything, whatever the choice is, and to recognize that in every single moment of choice, it takes courage to what we choose. And that's what masters uh, have talked about since the beginning of time, is is choosing and becoming aware and conscious. So yes, one less, one more is a daily experience because life is a daily experience and the more we choose to be conscious of our uniqueness of our purpose of the reason that we were born for a reason it wasn't i mean if you believe we were born for chance by chance if you believe that we're just here and that we're gone one less one more will not be a book for you and somebody somebody told me just last saturday a 59-year-old man who said to me, um, I gave your book to a guy who works in the supermarket, whose wife now has given it to eight people. They've started, they put it in their book group. And I said, well, did you read it? He said, no. You know, it won't help me. I'm cooked. There's nothing more I can do. Uh, this is my life. But thanks anyway. Oh, Wow. So the point is, is that you're absolutely right. I'm sure, Chickie, that if – I mean, you're at your daughter's game now because you want that experience. You, want, you made that decision to be with her versus being somewhere else. And I can't tell you, and we both know this, how many people do we advise that tell us when they're our age that they say, I am so sorry – I've chased money my whole life. I did everything right. I was supposed to do, but I missed raising my kids. I didn't see one of their ball games. I didn't go to any of their birthday parties. We're all wealthy, but now they won't talk to me. Right. And that's that's not the way that you or I, or I'm sure your listeners, want to live their life. We right. want to experience every moment. And again, Chickie, I'm going to leave you with this. Whose life are you living? Whose dance are you dancing? Whose breath are you breathing? And if it's not your song, if it's not your story, then whose is it? And why do it?
0: Absolutely, Robbie. Thank you so so much.
1: And uh, as as
0: always, today's show was was a tonic. To me. <laughs> and uh, my, my husband always asks why I continue to do the show because we used to have uh, a lot of people who called into the show uh, from the Executive Girlfriends group, and for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, the group has just kind of taken a different direction. But I tell him, you know, I do this because I so love the interaction with the authors. And uh, you have just been amazing today, and thank you for letting me tell you know kind of my side of of the story, which I, I love to do. Obviously, uh, the book again for those who may have joined us late is one less, one more, follow your heart, be happy, change slowly, and the author is Robbie Vorhaus. Robbie, thank you so so much, and I just hope you have an amazing weekend. And I somehow know that you will.
1: I will indeed, Chickie, and. I hope that we can stay in touch. I am a fan and um I, again I'd love to be able to introduce you to some of my friends who can benefit from your enthusiasm and your wonderful optimism. So many oh, blessings I love it. and m- many I blessings will definitely
0: to you. I will definitely be in touch and uh, I I know that Patty my producer has your uh, your information. So again thank you so much and For those of you who are listening, if you'd like to know anything more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, simply go to executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. We also have a public Facebook page where our shows are posted and also a private uh, Facebook page for our members. Thanks so much and have a great weekend.